this production is presented by Wicked Minis. Wicked Minis are great on soups, salads, or just as a handheld snack. I actually wanted to have the chili cheese ones on hand for me to show you all tonight, but I gave the bag to one of my friends, and they ended up just taking it home and eating it all themselves. So, unfortunately, I don't have that one, which is probably my favorite, but I do have the crushed red pepper ones here. Six great flavors. They're available at Walmart, Amazon, Kroger, and, of course, at MoonlightMixes.com. Hailing from Louisville, Kentucky, Thomas Pretty was making his first career NASCAR Cup Series start at the Memphis, Arkansas Speedway in Lehigh, Arkansas. The day was June 10th, another hot day in a summer chock full with heat in the natural state, including a few days where the needle went over the century mark in the state's capital of Little Rock. 29 drivers were set to start the race on that fateful day, and as the first 38 laps of the race ticked by, Pretty held serve in a Chevrolet as the field thundered into turn one on lap 39. It wasn't 29 cars, but originally 30, that were set to take the green flag on June 10th. Biloxi, Mississippi's Clint McHugh, 28, was set to run the race alongside with Pretty and the stars of the NASCAR Cup Series at the time. McHugh had driven on short tracks in Mississippi and had even been dishonorably discharged from the Air Force due to his love for racing and alleged moonshining side hustle. However, his bid to qualify for one of the premier events on the NASCAR calendar ended the day before, on June 9th. Named by some as the best stock car driver at the time to ever come through the state of Mississippi, he had high hopes when he fired up the engine of his 1956 Oldsmobile. The car, nicknamed Hells of Fire by McHugh, got up to 90 miles an hour, entering turn three on his qualifying run. Built in 1954, the Memphis, Arkansas Speedway stood out for most racetracks in NASCAR at the time and many short tracks across the country. It wasn't a short track at all though, and as a mile and a half, it was one of the biggest tracks on the schedule when it came on the scene. Unlike bigger racetracks of the day, however, such as Indianapolis and Darlington, it was a dirt track with 2,500 foot long straightaways and steep corners. The track held the key to some of the fastest laps both in the race and in qualifying in the early days of NASCAR. With the town of Lehigh being a short 16-mile drive west from the ever-expanding city of Memphis and the track providing fast, exciting racing, the track seemed primed to become one of the most dazzling facilities in the young sport's history. However, the first snag popped up in the summer of 1954, soon before its opening day race on October 7th of the same year. The track owners wanted to pave the track, but their wallets just couldn't provide the necessary funds. The track was opened as a dirt track in the fall of 1954, with Buck Baker taking home the checkered flag after Lee Petty, who dominated the race, broke an axle with 17 laps to go. In 1955, rain plagued the racetrack, which might have been seen as a blessing following the dust storm that swarmed the racetrack in 1954. With calcium chloride seldom used on dirt tracks in that era, the dust choked the spectators on hand in October of 1954 and August of 1955. However, when the Cup Series returned to Lehigh in 1956, dust devils weren't the only concern. The track surface was deemed unmanageable and unsafe by the drivers. The dirt surface was both soft, which led to those giant dust swirls, but was also bumpy 
and had a few halls down the straightaways, leading to a rough ride for all those who dared to traverse it. It didn't help either that the owners of the track were still struggling financially, leading to a few fan amenities and even less safety than was customary in an era of NASCAR where safety was primarily an afterthought. Flimsy guardrails stood in the corners, with wooden posts at eye level to the spectators, combined with wires stood in between the roaring cars and the fans in the grandstands. However close the track seemed to demise, it forged on into the summer of 1956. Thomas Cotton Pretty led the points in the weekly racing series at the Sportsdrome in Jeffersonville, Kentucky, where he had raced since 1950, and was scheduled to compete in the NASCAR Cup Series event there on June 19. The proud operator of Surefit Auto Parts on Dixie Highway, he had grown interested in racing and speed after a short stint delivering prescriptions on a motorcycle for a local drugstore growing up. Going into turn one on lap 39 of the 1956 Mid-South 250, his car hit the side of one of his competitors' vehicles, losing a wheel in the process and tumbling over several times. Purdy was ejected from the vehicle in the incident, suffering several fractures. He was transported to a hospital in nearby West Memphis, Arkansas, where he died from his injuries about an hour after the crash. Thomas Cotton Pretty from Louisville, Kentucky, was 27. Clint McHugh hailed from Biloxi, Mississippi, a town on the Gulf of Mexico just under six hours south of Lehigh. Driving for owner Ernest Woods, who hailed from Daytona Beach, McHugh was a mechanic in Biloxi and was attempting to qualify for his first NASCAR race. Going into turn one in the car he named Hells of Fire in qualifying on June 9, 1956, the car suddenly fishtailed and McHugh lost control. The Oldsmobile smashed through one of the previously aforementioned guardrails, plunging McHugh and the car into a lake some 50 feet below the banking of the corner. Three brave spectators pulled McHugh ashore as the car sat upside down. Like Pretty, McHugh died shortly at a hospital in West Memphis, Arkansas from his injuries. Clint McHugh from Biloxi, Mississippi was 28. As was customary for the time, the 1956 race went on after two fatalities in two days. Jim Pascal was originally thought to be the winner, but Ralph Moody, half of the legendary Holman Moody name, protested the results, eventually gaining the trophy and the check for himself. On July 14, 1957, the Cup Series once again returned to the Memphis, Arkansas Speedway. With poor turnout and a blinding dust storm that caused an extending caution period that lasted over an hour, the writing seemed to be on the wall for the facility even before Marvin Panch collected the checkered flag on that summer Arkansas day. With the owner's pockets reportedly getting thinner and thinner, upgrades to the track surface or meager facilities seemed like a pipe dream, and owners Clarence Camp, Harold Woodridge, and Nat Epstein had no choice but to sell the racetrack to a local farmer who, in true Arkansas fashion, threw catfish in the infield before leveling the banking of the turns and growing rice and soybeans. The unfortunate part is, had the track not had the two fatalities and had been able to scrape through money-wise, the incoming interstate could have saved the facility. At that time, there was no off-ramp to Lehigh, which didn't give much of a path to those living in Memphis and the surrounding growing areas to get to the racetrack. Now you can still see that familiar oval shape from the air, but little, if anything, aside from the dirt racing surface, has survived in the 66-plus years since the track's final race. The track was essentially doomed from the start. From financial problems, few amenities even compared to most tracks of the day, poor track conditions, and the two fatalities in June of 1956, 
The facility never got out from behind the eight ball, essentially killing any hope of establishing another NASCAR Cup Series level of racetrack in the state of Arkansas. While tracks such as Batesville carry on the legacy of the natural state short track racing history, its snake-bitten and short-tenured Cup Series venue will always be there should you want to take a harrowing journey into the history of motor racing in Arkansas. The Memphis-Arkansas Speedway will always be known as the natural state's black sheep, the tragic track in Lehigh.